0: Hi, this is Isabella Johnston, the Interim Whisperer, and today's tip of the week is focused on jobs and technology. Are you wondering how big the tech industry is? Well, according to Media Peanut, Researchers predict that there will be 178,000 new tech jobs by the end of 2022. However, experts are now showing that it really looks like about 190,000. That's good news as we've moved into 2023. Over 96.3% of Americans use technology in their jobs. And when we're looking at those that are not in the workforce yet, Those that are 3 to 18 years old, that's 95% of these individuals, our children, have some type of home internet access, according to the American Community Survey. So as you can see, technology plays a big part of our personal lives, our business lives, and how we interact even with each other. So I want to welcome our listeners to the intern whisper show. Our show is all about the future of work. And I'm just really excited to introduce our guest, Noreen Makasoe, who she is the founder and owner of Radical Leap Group. She delivers humorous research-based real-world thought leadership to inspire change. And she covers a lot of topics related to strategy, business technology. Gender Equity, Inclusion, Investment Readiness, Peak Performance, Leadership, Entrepreneurship, and Faith. I love all those topics, so welcome to the show, Noreen. Thank you, Isabella. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, Now, you're appearing on our show all the way from Tell Our Listeners Where.
1: At the moment, I'm in Nairobi, Kenya, East Africa
0: yeah and so what time zone what's our time zone difference I think listeners should have a deeper appreciation of the fact that this is earlier for us and later for you
1: it's uh 3 35 to be precise my time p.m. Yeah. I think our time zone difference is about eight hours yeah eight it hours. Is.
0: so okay. Yeah, for people that are doing business with anybody around the world, you always have to remember time zones and be flexible for everybody, right?
1: Yes, yes. We, we've had to adjust to that a lot since COVID, um, given that so many people are either stuck in a, a country they, they didn't want to be in or are in a time zone that's completely different. So yeah. we're used to it now, but we have to set timing, timings to remind us. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. Okay. So
0: I always kick off the show and I ask our guests, what are five words that describe you and why those five words? And based on all of those various touch points that
1: you have in business, I'm going to
0: guess some of those are going to be your words.
1: I, I when, when I got that, um, to think through those five words, I would use I, I made it a sentence as opposed to very different words. So yeah. boldly audacious bringer of light. That's what I describe myself as. Okay. All right. So bold. Why bold? Bold because I've learned over the years that you have to overcome some of your wildest fears to achieve your wildest dreams.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your second word, I missed it, but. Audacious.
1: Oh, audacious. Okay. So why audacious? Audacious because I think I take the angle of being female. I take the angle of being a uh, female of color as well as African female of color. So there have been many hurdles along the way in my professional journey, as well as life mm-hmm. that I have had to push against audaciously, not given permission, but taking permission. So yeah, that's why You're- I use that word. Third word is wing? No, bringer. Oh, Somebody who, well, it was a sentence, bringer of light. So yeah. um, I, I chose that because my mother named me Noreen. And I found out years later the meaning of Noreen in, um, in Arabic is light, noor. And then I found out from um, a, a person of that origin that my name actually means two lights. So so bringer of light, and I find that in my profession, um, a lot of my clients have described me as bringing light to situations that that are um, confusing or not clear. So um, I, I take that, that my name kind of followed me into my work. Mm, that's really pretty too. And then light, are we skipping? The more? light is... Noor. Yeah. So Noreen is, is, uh, the Arabic is noor. Um, and it just means light. So. Mm, that's really, really
0: nice. So I want to thank you for sharing those words. I don't know if you had one more word that I missed. I'm not sure, but just making sure. No. Yeah, no, that's yeah. And I think that what's really pretty is one of the things that you also mentioned that you, uh, Facilitate and speak on is faith, and I think that truly what you just described as that one sentence it does demonstrate a lot of your faith.
1: Yes, um, I was I wasn't brought up in in a into a, I wasn't brought up in a family where faith was uh, pushed on anybody or it was an agenda that was you know how how you know people are brought up to believe certain things. Uh, But over the years in my own personal journey, I have gone on a journey of self-discovery and faith has become a core part of how I live my life, how I run my business. And it's a foundation for pretty much everything that I do. So I I think that it comes out really strongly um, and almost unintentionally because it it is who I am and it is who I've become over over the years. I identify with what you just shared also.
0: Um, so much because a lot of my uh, brand colors tie into that same belief system. And I just, I want to thank you for sharing that. That's truly cool. So how did you get to where you are now? Why don't you go ahead and take us on a journey of what that story looks like based on if you went to college, if you didn't go to college, whatever,
1: but just tell us uh, how you got there. Um, my background is uh, is um, I've told the story a few times, so I'll tell it from memory. But I might drop in a few things that I've never mm-hmm. shared before. I was born and brought up in Kenya. I was born into a family of six children, and when I turned seventeen, after high school, I did my primary and secondary school in Kenya. Uh, when I when I graduated high school, I moved to migrated to the United Kingdom. To study and I migrated to study specifically information technology because at the time that was all the rage and um, my father did think that the future of the world was in information technology. So uh, I moved to the UK, studied, uh, enrolled in an information technology course and my, uh, my degree was in information systems and management and my first year of 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 university, my father passed away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And that then took me on a journey of reevaluating many things. I was still quite young at the time, but uh, I, I think anybody who's been through uh, very life transforming situations will go through uh, a phase where you're reevaluating the things that are really important to you. So that's what I was doing at the time. And so I deferred my course, my information systems and management course. I also realized at the time that I hated coding. I really hated coding. We were doing programming and all kinds of things and we were we were being made to do amazing things, but I found that I, I didn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. And I think that was a very limited view, but that's the only view I had at the time. Obviously years later, technology looks very different from back then. And uh, I deferred my course, went to work full time. And in the space of time, I was really thinking, what do I really want to do with my life? Do I want to sit behind a computer and do this programming work that everybody thinks is so amazing? I realized that my greatest strength or the things that I enjoyed most were in front of people, people facing. I needed to be in contact with other human beings. And so I began to explore opportunities that were going to put me in that place. I did, um, I did work in retail, hated it. I did work in sales, I hated it. So I did this, I went on this journey of searching and I tested it and I tried it and I realized what I liked and what I didn't like. And a friend of mine one day, her name is Suki, love her to bits still now, Suki calls me one day and said, I actually think I found what what describes the thing that you've been talking about and introduced me to the world of personal development and professional development. I enrolled in a coaching program um, with Noble Manhattan which is Europe's oldest uh, professional development and training company. I became accredited and I was working full-time throughout this period. And I began to explore executive coaching professionally, became accredited, worked as an executive coach, set up at the time Radical Leap. That is what it was called. I was working full time in the financial services industry as my corporate job. But my side hustle was Radical Leap. And uh, in in the process of working within this uh, investment bank in the financial services industry, I was learning a lot. I was learning a lot about leadership and communication and strategy. And I began to realize that I had a greater strength in strategy um, as opposed to executive coaching. So pivoted the company, it was part-time, working full-time at at, uh, this um, investment bank in London, Uh, set up Radical Leap to become a strategy consulting company. And that is what it is now. It has evolved from Radical Leap to the Radical Leap company and now it is the Radical Leap Group. So my journey has been quite evolutionary. It has changed a lot. Um, it's interspersed with personal experiences that give you uh, moments of clarity where um, you, you find your definition um, in different experiences. And that has shaped my the person that I am today and the company that I run.
0: So I have a couple questions based on your your story there, and that's pretty interesting. I wanted to know, when you were in school and studying computer science, programming, IT, how many women were in that industry at the time, or at least
1: in school? I'm thinking you had to have been the only woman in the class. No, actually, interestingly, it was... The the majority were male, yes, yeah. But we did have a few women in the class who I'm still in touch with some uh, some of them until today, and they went on to do some amazing things in technology. But there were a few of us um, in the class. I remember five women. <laughs> I know the class was much bigger, but I remember the five that I was that I was close to.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, like about I don't know. I'm going to say 15 years ago, I was teaching um, at a predominantly male, 99% of the the students in the school were male and it was a tech college and I was teaching um, writing, honestly. I'm not a computer science or I wasn't a programmer or anything. I was an English major, but I would have one woman out of a class of about, I don't know, I think I had about 30 people in there. And I also saw that that tended to stay the consistent trend. And even still in some courses, like when I've been teaching, whether it's in healthcare or whatever, I've always seen more men in some of those weightier positions, if you will, than women. So I was just curious, where did you go to uh,
1: college? I went to college. uh, I went to university. College was College of Northwest London and uh, university was Greenwich University.
0: Okay, so you were over there in, in uh, obviously England when you were yeah. in school. So that's even more interesting. Like the diversity was still not necessarily there in the balance of men and women in the in the career path.
1: It, I, what I found interesting about university and it stuck with me at the time was the women who enrolled on, on this technology, or let me say the course that I was on information systems and management, were women immigrants. They were not local, let me say English women. There were women from other countries. We had a young lady from Egypt. There was myself, a Kenyan. There was a couple of women from Nigeria, uh, but there wasn't any, let me say European or English. So I found that within the course that I was enrolled in, um, in this university, there was a lot of immigrants or let me say migrants who who captured this opportunity and capitalized on it and then went on to do some really amazing things. Mm, Truly
0: interesting. So the other question while you were sharing your story, and I was really riveted with the the story too, to be honest, because I I know we always have to pivot, pivot, pivot as we begin to identify what our real market fit is going to be and who our real customers are, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The other question that I had was, while you were having a full-time job in the finance industry, did you have to keep it quiet that you had something on the side? Or was it just not a problem at all? Because sometimes employers, they don't want you to do that kind of, you know, do that type of side gig.
1: The company that I worked for, I think they recognized that they had entrepreneurs within their ecosystem. They employed people who were innovative. They employed people who had to Um, maybe chose to have other jobs outside of the job that they had. So they had a a system within the company where if you were doing something that was not affiliated or connected with the company itself, you would need to declare it. So I declared any external engagements. And at the time, um, when I joined the company, I I hadn't set up my own company yet. When I joined my employer, let me say, I hadn't registered my company, but in the course of working for my employer, um, I I I had grown as as, as um, a business person. Mm-hmm. I had explored these opportunities that I really wanted to capitalize on. Uh, so they give you the opportunity to be very open about what you're doing. So I was, you had to declare all of these things. There was no conflict of interest. Um, it wouldn't violate their brand integrity because they were very, they were a company that was really strict on their brand integrity. And they they had no problem with people having side hustles, call it that. Um, my business was registered. They knew what the business was. They had it on record. So if I hosted an event for my company, there was never any conflict with what the, the my employer was doing. And I think I really liked that because I didn't feel I needed to hide anything. Mm-hmm. And every time I, for example, when I was, before I launched my company, I needed to complete my accreditation. And I had to go to my boss within my department and let him know that this is what I'm working on. I have a course that I need to complete I'm going to need to drop some of my hours so that I can complete my examination and he never had a problem with it because it had no conflict with my work so he was always aware and even it was it was a different manager they were always aware that okay maybe Noreen today has gone to do a radio interview okay Noreen is not available to cover somebody's shift for example because she's hosting an event on Saturday and some of my colleagues would support my my work as well so I found it really good in that in that sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, a really progressive forward thinking company would say yes to that, because again, it keeps the possibility of we'll call it poaching um, their clients. uh, It keeps it all open and above board. It also brings if they're smart, they'll see that it can bring value to their customers in areas that they aren't. It allows them an opportunity if they want to say, "Hey, we'd like to acquire your company or have you as our one of our you know premier co- uh, contract companies that we work with." There's so much positivity with that whole mindset. That's so progressive.
1: Yes, yes, and companies that do do that end up finding that they increase their um, their brand equity within their industry by supporting startups and entrepreneurs that are aligned with their values and working with them. Um, And there's some, sometimes they end up acquiring because I've heard heard of cases where um, a company will end up acquiring uh, a smaller company that is owned by one of their former employees or bringing in a former employee to become a consultant who brings in a fresh perspective and opens up a whole new market, partnerships in different countries, business development. So yes, I agree with you. Uh, it, it, but it takes a progressive company to be able to do that. Yeah. And
0: obviously the company is made up of people. So having people that have that same mindset as yourself and your manager that you described, that's, that's huge. Um, So Bravo, that is just like, so cool. You make good choices. You've had a lot of favor in your life. It sounds like.
1: Yes. I, I, I will not uh, deny that with that with the area of being employed as well as setting up my company. I feel like I, I was favored during that period. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me because my full-time job financed my, my education and it also financed the, the startup cost of setting up the consultancy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So then based on, this is a really nice segue, what is your definition of diversity equity and inclusion and you really laid it out so that it it's so nice and clear based on previous employers and just you know how you have been embraced by your community I just I'm looking forward to your definition of them
1: so my my definition of diversity and inclusion so I I They tend to be used together in sentences, but they mean different things. And I think also the context for the person um, can have a different meaning. So in, in, in my opinion, diversity is people from different backgrounds with different physical attributes and different belief systems working together harmoniously towards a common objective. That for me is the definition of diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, inclusion is in in my opinion is this group of diverse people being okay with each other being in the same space so you can have people from different backgrounds different uh, belief systems but not wanting to be together not wanting uh, to be part of something that's greater. So the inclusion part is that wanting the other person who is not like you, maybe doesn't look like you, doesn't think like you, to be part of something that you are part of. And then um, I think the last word was equity, right? Right. Yes. And the, and the equity part is the fair distribution of opportunities and resources within this pool of diverse people who are also inclusive. So, so even though they're very different, I find that they, you cannot have one without the other if you want a really successful mm-hmm. ecosystem, community, business, um, and they tie into each other. Uh, but the, it is it, it goes beyond just stating it. It's also a mindset that you have to have. You have to want to be inclusive and then you have to intentionally create opportunities where it's fair and just across the board Uh, but it's also not just the belief but the behavior that then shows that what you believe is actually true Mm -hmm.
0: they're symbiotic and if it were a piece of art the color um, blends into the next color so it makes a really pretty uh sunrise or a sunset
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it, I think it's one of those it's one of those conversations that over the years seems to, even though it has gained a lot of popularity and traction, somehow um, a lot of companies are still not able to nail the inclusion part and, and the equity part. So these diversity say, yeah, we have ticked all the boxes, we have um, female, we have a uh, different gender, we have a different nationality. But then the inclusion part is still, I think, is they still a bit of a roadblock there, where you might be in a company, but you don't feel wanted, you don't feel valued, you don't feel included in some really key decisions that you should be part of. And I think it's a conversation that, you know, it it boggles my mind sometimes, where you think, well, it's obvious what needs to happen, but I think the obvious doesn't always happen the way the so way true. we think. Yeah, so true.
0: And for yeah. me, what I consider uh, real diversity also and inclusion are people that are different generations. It is inclusive of people with disabilities. It is inclusive of of parents and singles and all of these different makeups of um, who we are, if you will, because yes. personality types, all of these things weave a tighter and I think a more rich fabric in the workplace.
1: I agree, I agree, I agree. Um, it includes the different age groups, absolutely, different belief systems, different ideologies, mm-hmm. um, and being okay with this with these different people being in the same space and expressing. Um, I think there's also the need for expression of, uh, creative expression, let me call it, where uh, you bring your, your idea into this pool of ideas And then you create, like you said, this tapestry or this picture that is really beautiful. And I find that companies miss major opportunities where that diversity and inclusion is not included because you can have some really brilliant ideas from a different culture, different country, different faith that can have a positive impact on your business or on your company culture. And even on your bottom line, because you're open to innovation, you're open to creativity, you're open to your ideas being challenged by somebody else and giving you a different perspective. So, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, so lovely. Um, What is the hardest lesson that you've had to learn um, changed
1: your life? What would you say it is? Gosh, there was, I think there've been different lessons, Uh, but I, I, I would say the, the hardest lesson that I've learned or let me say, I was made to learn My life was, was around two things, boundaries and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, during a period of those, a period in my life where I, I felt I was doing quite well uh, professionally, I had a stable job, my, my credit was doing great, I was saving, I was on track to become an investor in real estate because that's what I really wanted to do at the time. And then I made a decision um, that cost me, I made a decision to trust someone, and it cost me financially, I lost everything that I had worked for, I'd left my country of birth Kenya uh, at 17. And from the age of 17 until that particular age, I was 30, I had worked really hard, I was very driven, I was very focused, I was very meticulous with a lot of my plans being that I was in the professional development and personal development industry I had goals you know you have your vision board and you have checklists that you go through every day but unfortunately I I turned 30 and I made this decision uh, trusting someone and it cost me everything I had ever worked for all the money that I felt was my my nest egg or my savings that was I could fall back on I couldn't fall back on because it just it just disappeared overnight. And that was the t- one of the toughest lessons I learned because it brought together so many things for me. Um, it brought together my, it. I think I had to take a, a, a many deep, deep breaths, but then I had to deal with my money mindset because I felt that I was okay with money. But then dealing with this whole situation where you had built your money, but now the money is no longer existent. What is your where does your strength lie and where does your um, faith, this is where my faith I think grew a lot stronger than it had be, it was uh, before. I had to question a lot of things. I questioned life, you know, you sit with God and you ask some really tough questions and you know, you feel like there's some walls of silence but then it also evokes in you, <clears throat> excuse me, a creativity that I never knew was there. And I began to write, that was the season in my life where I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of listening to myself to really um, hear my true authentic voice and thoughts. Um, I I began to question my ability to forgive people who would violate my boundaries. And so this this circumstance in my life taught me a lot about myself as an individual, uh, myself as a friend to people who I felt I hadn't put strong enough boundaries with those people. Uh, It taught me a lot about being a business person because I had already launched uh, Radical Leap at the time and I was working my corporate job. But in my head, I had visualized exiting the corporate lifestyle, the corporate world, and being a full-time investor and business person and doing philanthropic things that all fell by the wayside. So I had to reevaluate that when life doesn't work out the way you expect it, Who are you? What do you become? Do you completely shelve everything or do you carry on but use a different pathway, different methodology? So I grew immensely as a person. And so this circumstance taught me how to set really strong boundaries, communicate them clearly. But it also taught me how to forgive because um, after I went through that season, I, I I had gone through so much hurt that I didn't know how to forgive this person who'd violated my boundaries. And in the process of learning about myself and dealing with this, I think, feelings of um, offense, um, I I began to, I I got sick physically. I think the mental stress manifested in my body as a tumor. And one day during a routine check with a doctor, the doctor said, what do you do for a living? Because you're really stressed out and your body is manifesting these, uh, this, this growth. Uh, you need to really take a back step and, and assess what you're doing with your life and find a different pathway because this thing is going to kill you. So I think it was in that season that I learned so much about the spiritual angle of our physical lives and mindset and, and just your internal environment and looking after yourself as a business person And yeah, so that, that was the season that taught me some of my toughest lessons um, that I'm grateful for today. I wasn't grateful at the time because I was going through hell, but, Mm -hmm. but now, now I'm, I think I'm wiser for it. And it, it added value after I chose to learn the lessons that I needed to learn in that season. So
0: I think there's a big difference between forgiveness and grace. Yes, Because I think forgiveness is more for us, you know, by giving forgiveness, we're letting go of whatever the wrong is that we feel that we've been subjected to, you know, yes. whether it's a person or us or God or whatever. And yeah. so the grace, though, is the understanding that they don't deserve the forgiveness Or, or this is my definition of grace. Grace is what I ask to be given to me because I screw up every single day. Mm -hmm. I should be willing to give as much grace back to others and go, you know what? I I don't know what they're going through, but they're going through something. It may have something to do with me and it may not. But in the meantime, Mm -hmm. just like let it go. and, And I find that grace for me is a gift that frees me more than probably forgiveness. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios.
1: Yeah, I love that definition. And quite, quite interestingly, I was reading uh, about that again uh, yesterday and today about being willing to let go in that season when I went through that I think it was one of the toughest things because you forgive the little things it's easy to let go of the little things but what about when it's something that literally obliterates everything that you've worked for it took me it took me it took me two years to come out of a really dark space Mm -hmm. but it took me that long but it also It also brought me to a place where like you have, you have so described so well, where you, you give the other person the grace to go through whatever they're going through, even though whatever they're going through collided with your life in a way that completely shifted the trajectory of your life, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: you still need to forgive and give grace. And I think those were really tough lessons for me. But what I can say is when I came through on the other side of grace and on the other side of forgiveness, I found myself with a mindset and opportunities and a spirit that I did not have before. It was, it builds your resilience. It builds your, I became so creative. And this is also the season where, because I was so conflicted, I needed silence and I spent a lot of time in silence um i had a television in my house i think one day i just woke up and said no this television doesn't belong here whatever reason i think i was i was going through a moment and i carried my television and i put it in the skip in the skip outside the building my friends were like why did you just sell it i said i wasn't thinking of selling anything mm-hmm. i just needed silence and in that silence i began to write and i wrote and wrote and wrote and you're thinking and writing and thinking and writing And that is where programs that I now use for my work, some of the programs were birthed out of that. A money mindset program was birthed out of that. Um, Frameworks for consulting were birthed out of that moment of silence, which may, may I'm not saying it wouldn't have, but may never have happened if I wasn't in that space of seeking um, answers or seeking resolutions or solutions to what i was going through so so yes it was a really tough season and lessons to go through but i look back now and that season made me as opposed Mm -hmm. to broke me
0: Mm. that was really beautiful thank you for sharing that too i know our listeners it's going to resonate with some of them and they're going to go Oh my gosh, I I just totally get what it is that she just said. That sounds like exactly my walk. So thank you.
1: And I hope I hope so. I hope somebody's listening and they know that it gets better. It, it gets better. It, it doesn't always feel that way, but it gets better eventually. Mm-hmm. So what are you most grateful for? What am I most grateful for? Um I thought about actually I, this. This I think our conversation today is very is very timely because these are some of the thoughts that I was thinking um, today. What what I'm most grateful for today, as well as obviously family and just being healthy, um, is I think what I felt today about gratitude was the freedom to have creative expression of the different areas of my life. So to be able to express myself creatively in my work, to be able to express myself creatively in in different things that I enjoy doing. And I think that there were seasons in my life where I didn't feel I was able to express myself creatively because with that creative expression, then you can express your love to your family uh, without harboring any resentment or to friends or to people who've hurt you. I'm able to express myself in writing more because you know the mental block on writing came off. I am able to be creative in my work. I am able to express myself in my faith. I, I think today more than before, I feel gratitude for the freedom to be able to express myself in all of these different ways because that way stress doesn't stay with me. I am able to speak to people that I love openly. I am able to be creative with my work and and just really express myself the way that I want. So that for me today stands out as an area of gratitude that, that I haven't really paid much attention to before. Of course, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my, my loved ones, my health, and my everything that's good about life. But I'm really grateful to be able to express all the different variations of myself uh, without any hindrances and to be able to, to have the resources and the opportunities and the spaces to be able to do that
0: mm, that's really good, too. This is a very rich conversation. I am just totally loving it, so I'm gonna add on to it. um, the things that I have been and I've never said this before on the show or anything, but something that I'm truly grateful for is are the challenges are the hard times because those hard times have have helped me to process things more quickly and go, okay, what is it that's within my control that I can do? Well, I can you know just be quiet, like what you were describing. I can also learn that, um, it's going to pass. So don't think it's going to be in the pit of despair forever. Um, also that those hardships allow me to help others, you know, hopefully inspire them and let them know, Hey, just let me give you a hug, hold those hugs Mm -hmm. a little tighter, you know, just the person knows that it's going to be okay
1: it's going to be okay. And I think it's, it's hard to say that when you're in the thick of it, you know, when you are in the trenches and, and everything is falling apart, it's hard. It's hard to say that. Um, But I think like you, like you said, to be able to say to someone, you know what, I've been there before, just hang on a little longer, maybe try this, maybe try this mindset or try this resource or try this, but you know, I'm here if you need, you need that. I think being able to do that is definitely a blessing. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, I agree with you totally.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to take a moment and acknowledge our sponsor and we will be right back for the second half of the show. Okay. I count us down now five, four, three, two, one. And we're back to the second half. And one of the key reasons why I was so excited about having Noreen on here is she is a follower of World Economic Forum. And so am I. And I think that everybody should be following World Economic Forum. So why don't you go ahead and just tell us, because I consider you an expert in so many things, the things that we talked about at the beginning when I was introducing you. But also, when we were having our first conversation and you were sharing about some of the impact that World Economic Forum has shared um, about anything, whether it was um, food deserts or if it was in the space of future of work or whatever. So why don't you share what your involvement is and what your thoughts are about the organization? Anything, it's totally open here. Okay.
1: So um, I'm not affiliated with the World Economic um, Forum. I'm not a member, Uh, but I follow their speed. (laughs) I follow follow their work. Um, There's immense knowledge that comes out of the forum. Obviously, it brings together some of the best minds across the world to discuss issues that affect all of us, um, whether it's climate and it's food and it's technology or work and equity for women and financing for women. Um, child programs, etc. I, I, I love that they cover this diversity of knowledge sharing and information. Uh, and the areas that for me have been impactful are the areas where my work sort of inter- interfaces with some of the work that they do. Um, one of the key areas that we, we have paid attention to over the years is in the area of technology, of course. And the areas of, of advancement in technology and the innovation in technology, how it's going to affect the future of businesses, the future of work, how it's affecting women and youth, because that's an area for, of impact for us as a business. Um, and not, not even just that. I'm, I'm like I mentioned earlier, I'm female, I'm, I'm of African origin. So there are certain things that, that, that affect women from the the region of Africa when it comes to financing and it comes to opportunities um, for business growth and it comes to international trade. So those are areas that we are really uh, keen to pay attention to and to listen to the thought leaders that come out of this platform, the the World Economic Forum, and to follow um, and just stay in touch with what they're doing because what they're saying and what leaders are saying and what Uh, policies are being formulated in these platforms is having an impact on some of the clients that we work with, and some of the business regions that that we have focused on, which is Europe, Middle Eastern, and and Africa for the work that we do. Mm -hmm. And I think that
0: many times, um, I'll say Americans, they don't have a full uh, because we have so much. And every time I visit some other country in the world, whether it's in Europe, or if it's in more of what's considered a third world country, I come back and I go, we have so much, we don't really appreciate it. And I feel like there's this uh, place where if people had more of a global perspective, it was built around compassion, it was built around some of the values that we were just discussing that are your values too, of just like being engaged, um, just, it's not all about us. It's about other people. We're here to serve. We're built for relationship. I feel like we would have more interest in what is going on in other countries. I World Economic Forum brings that to light for sure. It's not like watching the news. It is thought leaders, like you mentioned, that are there to just raise awareness and help us globally understand our actions in our country can impact somebody somewhere else in the world and we need to pay attention to those things very
1: absolutely. much absolutely yeah. I was watching uh, I was watching the news uh, I think it was last month but this obviously this topic of, of climate change is a big topic across the globe at the moment and finding out that the I'll call them uh, for lack of a better word, the perpetrators of of the things that have created this shift in in the climate globally are not experiencing the impact as much as some of the countries that are going through it at the moment. So, so you have, for example, um, in the eastern part of Africa, there's a region of drought, there's a region that's going through drought that's created by climate change, but um, that country's paying for the sins, call it sins, of other countries that have been really instrumental in affecting the climate in ways that, you know, we, we, I don't even think we're fully aware of. So, so like you rightly said, I think there's a collective, more now than before, there's a collective responsibility that people, companies, and individuals are beginning to, uh, to look at and say, I am responsible for this amount of waste going to this place, so I need to scale that back. I am responsible for this level of pollution in my country, or I'm responsible for this that is going to impact somebody else in another country because it, there's a chain effect to all of those things. Um, I think one of the one of the industries that's really really speaking more about it now than before is the fashion industry, where the amount of clothes that are manufactured are now ending up in landfills, not in the countries where they're manufactured but somewhere else. And then that country is having to deal with pollution and having to deal with um, effects to their, their food systems and ETC. So there's a collective responsibility that we all must ideally must really pay attention to. And if we don't pay attention to it early enough, it's gonna catch up at some point. Mm-hmm. So, so there's this this this, this appreciation of being blessed in whatever whatever ecosystem or country we're in uh we acknowledge it but then we also think that our actions are going to have an impact on somebody who is millions of miles away across seas even Uh, and it catches up because it's catching up with all of us now uh things that we told we we knew maybe we could have paid attention to but now we're having to deal with cleaning up the messes and and uh, formulating policies that are going to change those things, hopefully Mm -hmm. in in good time.
0: Mm -hmm. You're so right. So we touched on this at the beginning of the show when we were talking about time zones, remote blended on-site, flexible work. I mean, we're all doing it now and we didn't ever think that it would get to this place. I think we live in sometimes cocoons until something happens, COVID or drought or whatever, pick something, hurricanes, that's what we've experienced, flooding. Um, So what do you think in 2030, it might be like? I I don't think remote's gonna go away, that'll stay. I think it's gonna be more of um, a virtual reality experience as we're moving closer and closer to those types of uh, opportunities. What about you, what are your thoughts? There's no right or wrong answer, so it's opinion. (laughs)
1: I, and I find it fascinating. I think I think COVID woke us up to opportunities that we knew were there, but a lot of people didn't really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So for example, when, when, when I set up Radical Leap, when I was working my full-time corporate job, my mindset at the time that I was setting it up was, I don't want to be in corporate for the rest of my life. So I'm going to create a vehicle that's going to allow me to run a business from anywhere in the world. That was my mindset. So I began to set it up in such a way that I can carry my laptop and be in any country and the business would still go ahead. That was the mindset I had at the time. That was long before work from anywhere became a thing, long before the digital nomad uh, hashtag became a thing. It, It was for me just freedom. I wanted freedom from being tied to one physical location and not being able to do anything outside of that location. So fast forward to over a a decade later, when COVID hit, I was grateful that we had done that. I was grateful that a lot of our work was already on the cloud. I was grateful that we were using a lot of templates and, and just our business was able to survive whatever COVID created. But what it also showed was that mindset is something that I know a lot of other people had, but now it became more widespread. And what COVID did, because it lasted about two years or, or you know, or just over, it mm-hmm. lasted long enough for behaviors to change. It lasted long enough, not just mindset, but actual behaviors because when companies locked down and countries locked their borders, our behaviors changed our shopping changed how we interacted with each other changed and people began to see a different way of life that oh i can actually live like this and actually enjoy it i don't have to be in a physical office i can talk to my colleague on the phone and have my child or my husband or you know your partner in the next room and there was there was value they saw value in those experiences and, like you rightly said, I don't see in 2030 the hybrid model going anywhere. I see a, a, a mindset shift, global mindset shift in economies where governments are going to have to contend with the fact that people will not change their behavior because they like where they are. They will not change how they shop. They will not change how they interact. They will They're willing to compromise and give a little of what they had before, but now they're willing to, uh, they will do that in exchange for something that they want. And I think where we've also come to is a place where we, people are wanting more control of how they experience the world, how they experience life, how they travel how they see family, how they spend time with their kids, how education happens. Because I think education was one of the sectors that really saw a, a major shift. where um, parents realized that I can educate my child at home and will be okay. And that has, has, has created a whole ecosystem of homeschooling that we never saw or never thought was going to happen before. So by 2030, in my opinion, I see... A complete shift in how globally we run businesses. I think now that model of offshoring is so much more acceptable than it was before. Uh, you have small businesses sending their work off to, uh, say, the Philippines to have their team work on it and send it back. Nobody's getting on planes, money is changing hands, people are being paid, banks are receiving money and sending money across financial technology is changing. So education has changed drastically. Um, Even how I interact with my team has changed now because uh, whereas before we had those systems, now we know that those systems are here to stay and people are investing in technologies that are going to enable them to run really lean and efficient businesses without the really expensive overheads. And I think what we are going to have to contend with is buildings that are becoming obsolete and we're going to have to find different uses for them. Offices that are no longer going to be as full as they were before. Are we going to, what are we going to do about housing situations? So I feel like we're going to come into a season where uh, we're going to have to reevaluate the usage of things that we had created before that no longer work. So you have offices that, for example, in in Kenya at the moment, I'm in Nairobi, there is so many empty buildings that were offices. Nobody wants to be in an office full time. So people are wanting that. I want to be in an office just for a few hours today because I have meetings and then I'm going home to my kids. And you have this whole real estate shift that we're going to have to contend with and Um, and other things, other industries as well. So I think we are coming into an age of innovation where creatively we are going to have to solve problems that did not exist before. And we're going to have to use the resources we have uh, without having to tap into other resources to solve some of those challenges that we're seeing created by uh, the shift in mindset and the shift in behaviors um, and the global shift in, in what the future of work looks like. Mm. Yeah, I've seen
0: some uh, real estate, like we'll call them high rises, where half of the building is made up of uh, apartments. And then the bottom floor and maybe the first, I don't know, up to maybe four floors are offices. So it's a hybrid blend. I've seen a lot of this in some of the more high density populated cities in the United States, where it's a blend of a work life. Um, you can go in and then you, Don't even have to drive, of course, but if you need that separation, because different people like different types of uh, work environments, it does allow you to go to it. And I agree, yes, it's going to be offices are going to be more of community gathering places where people can go to hang out and, you know, interact with each other, but it cannot, or brainstorm or whatever, obviously conference rooms, but it's also going to be a place where um, some businesses are going to, you have to go in you know, obviously yeah. hospitals, right. And sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, anything that's always a hands-on type of an environment. Like I want the guy that's replacing b- brakes to work on brakes, you know, so yeah. I know that he's, he knows how to replace brakes. Uh, even if it was a virtual reality, I'm like, I don't know. I still want to know he's touched a car. <laughs> you know, there's a certain level of uh, comfort there, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know,
1: absolutely. I, there, there is, there, I think there is across industries we are redefining what works. Work looks like. Yeah, and I think with the re- redefinition of what work, work what work looks like, there is also a reviewing of policies. If those policies that we have support what work is going to look like, if the laws support and if technology support, and now there's there's a lot of innovation and development of new solutions that did not exist before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think. I think human behavior is going to determine the future of work.
0: Yep, it sure will. So what is your best mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners? We're going to kind of have to skip a couple of questions here. Um, what is it that you would, it's either advice that you want to pass on to others, advice that you've received that you think is still, you know, worthy, but what is the best mentoring advice that you think everybody could benefit from?
1: because mentoring is quite broad um so yeah. so just clarify it a bit for me so in terms of mentoring what do you mean mentoring in the area of work or mentoring just work. generally yeah just okay work.
0: yeah
1: okay so in the in the area of um of work I feel I've been a mentor for a number of businesses I've mentored tech startups in different uh countries and uh I think what I'd say is mentoring works. I think that's, that's the, the, the one thing that I want to highlight is mentoring does work. When somebody is willing to open up their experience, they're willing to open up their mind, they're willing to open up their database of, of, of information as well as uh, networks, and then share that with somebody who is walking a path that you've already walked. I think that is something that is really um, really powerful. It does work. I also feel like it's something collectively, globally, if each person mentors one person, I think will make a lot more headway than if one person is mentoring 20 people at a time. So I think there's a responsibility. Somebody said it so aptly on a panel that I was on last month where she says that a time comes in our lives where the the next place for you to go or the highest place for you to go is to reach back out to somebody and pull them to where you have you have reached that is what being blessed and really being impactful looks like so the one mentoring thing I would say is that one it does work and and in addition to that one is that we can all mentor someone. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That is very, very true. So what is the best way that people can contact you that you would like them to reach out? We usually share a website and then we also share your LinkedIn profile. But is there any,
1: anything else you'd like our listeners to know? Um, they can reach me. If anybody's interested in connecting, you can reach me, noreenmacosewe.com. That's my personal website or our company website is radically.com. Um, But yeah, that's um, and I'm also on different social networks, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, I'm open to connecting in those on those platforms.
0: Very good. Well, I'm adding that to the uh, notes so that it gets on the contact card for sure. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest on the show. This has been delightful. And um, you know that we're going to be, just so our listeners know, this show is airing in 2023. It's going to be one of our top three shows that airs in the beginning of the year. So um, I'm very excited about you opening up 2023 and and enlightening just so many lives. Oh, you're muted. Sorry.
1: Sorry. Um, that's amazing Uh, congratulations on the launch of your show in 2023 and I look forward to watching I've been watching some of the ones that you already have on YouTube and I look forward to hearing all the different thought leaders that you have on and their different ideas of what the future looks like oh my pleasure
0: well you have a lovely day and I will be sending a follow-up email very soon
1: thank you so much uh, Isabella I'm honored to have been Uh, able to come on your show and to just share thoughts and to have this discourse. Um, I've I've also learned a few things. uh, And I'm really appreciative of you having me on your show. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. We want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank our production team, Josue Gonzalez, Gio Vargas, Dina Burks, and Lester Eccles. Music is by Sophie Lloyd. Please visit Employers for Change, who brings this podcast to you at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while scaling your interns and your people for the future of work. Thank you for supporting the Intern Whisper by subscribing to our show on Podbean or your favorite podcast streaming channel.